Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. Amen. Um, this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 15, 25 through 32. <clears throat> Amen. Is anyone ready for the word this morning? I don't know if... I don't know if you get ready for the word. I love worship. I love worship. And I, you know, sometimes that's the, my favorite part of the, ser- the service. But other times I'm like, man, God, I just I want a word today. Come expecting a word every Sunday because God speaks. Amen. God speaks. And when he speaks, uh, it's, it's in our best interest to, to pay attention, to listen. So we're in Luke chapter 15. You're probably familiar with this passage. Uh, it's a parable of the prodigal son. He goes out from his father's house. He cashes in on his inheritance and he goes out. He lives what he thinks is going to be his best life, ends up being kind of his worst life. And he decides to finally go back to his father's house where he had everything made. And upon seeing his son returning, his father decides to throw him a party. He is so overjoyed. And so I just wanted to summarize that a little bit because I don't want to focus so much on on his story. I want to kind of focus a little bit more on the other son's story. Because the other son is representative of, of the church today. And that's what I want to talk to. I want to talk to the church. And so beginning at verse 25, if you have it, it says this. Now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. That ain't right. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is found. Amen. Tell the person next to you this morning, it's not about you. That's the title of today's message. It's not about you. As much as you want it to be. As much as you want to be catered to, because that's, that's the kind of culture that we live in where we like to be served and we, I, I love to go to rest, sit down restaurants. Melissa always wants to do fast food. I'm like, no, I want to go to a restaurant where, you know, the waiter comes to me and asks me what I want and they bring it to me, right? That, that's like the culture that we live in. We like to be catered to. And as much as you want it to be about you, it's not. It's not about you. And this is such a necessary message for the church today because, you know, we have to realize something, man. Every week, churches are dying. Every week. I, I heard that some 200 churches close down their doors every single week. That is some cause for some serious concern. If that doesn't concern you, man. When I heard that statistic, I was blown away. 200 churches every week closing down their doors. That's 200 churches that are not going to be able to reach the lost. They're not going to be able to do what they were called by Jesus Christ to do. And, you know, I think that uh, one of the main reasons this is, is because so many churches fail to focus their efforts externally rather than internally. Instead of looking to be a blessing, we first look to be blessed. 
Not right. Not in this church. Instead of reaching out to the community, we, we want to reach up like we deserve some type of handout from God. It's crazy, man. We, we don't realize how much selfishness truly does exist in churches because we'd rather please ourselves first and whatever's left, we give to the unchurched. They can have the leftovers. They can have the information sheet at the end of the service after we get our church on. When the truth is that the heart of Jesus Christ, it goes out to the broken, the lost, the orphan, the widow, the the unloved and the forgotten. And if that isn't our heart as well, church, then we have a poor understanding of who Christ is and what he's about. Harsh word. I'm not even five minutes into it. huh? (laughs) We have to get to the point where we can humbly say it's not about me. It's not about us. And it's not that it's not that we're unimportant. We're very important, but, but we're healthy. Tell the person next to you, I'm healthy. We're, we're speaking spiritually here. I can't, if you have high blood pressure, you know, you might be a little overweight, you know, that's okay. That's what keto's for. But your spirit is healthy. My spirit is healthy. I might stumble every now and then. I'm not perfect, but for the most part, man, I, I, I give God thanks for my salvation. My soul is healthy because it's got life. It's going to live forever. And I praise God for that. So it's not that we're unimportant. It's that we're not in critical condition. That's what it's about. And so I want to look a little bit deeper this morning into the reaction of the father when his son decides to return. Because, you know, his son, uh, his son that went away, he was in critical condition. And now that he's returned, his his father takes this opportunity to, to celebrate. And that's how the father sees us, all those that are lost. He understands that they are in need of of rescue. So I want to go back a few verses here, beginning at verse 17. We're reading a little bit more than usual this morning. Beginning at verse 17, and it says this. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and he came to his father. Okay, so real quick, we can stop there. This is the part where the son realizes what he walked away from. He's, he's realizing that, man, I, I had it made back in my father's house. I had everything that I could ever want. I had everything. I didn't lack anything. I didn't need anything. I was, I was good. Some of you guys are, are, can't wait to grow up to leave your parents' house. Layla's pretty much there. She's three years old, man. She tells me all the time when she's upset. She's like, I'm never going to live here anymore. I'm like, good. (laughs) I already got plans for your room. All right. Make a weight room, game room, get some friends over, get all your junk out of here. I'm like, I'll let her have it. (laughs) But when you get, when you, when when you realize that you're leaving a, a place that's good, when you leave a good place, not just, not even just a good place, a God place, when you leave a God place, you realize that, that something isn't right. Something, something is missing. There is a void in your life, in your heart, that nothing else can fill when you leave that place. And praise God, man, some people, they come back. Some people return. Other people don't. But this parable isn't just about the return of the prodigal son. There's two more characters in the story. So let's keep on going. Verse 21, it says this. But, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. 
And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive. He was lost and found. And they began to celebrate. Amen. A few years ago, we, uh, to make a much less serious comparison, uh, both, both my dogs ran away. Leo and Rocky, they got out of the backyard somehow. We, uh, we, we got home that night. They were missing. And so we did what any, you know, pet owner does. We went up and down the street driving, calling their name, asking the neighbors. We, we printed out some flyers. We posted it all over the neighborhood. And we even, we even joined this uh, missing pet community on, on Facebook. That's the thing if you ever lose a pet. Um, and, and so a day went by and one of the dogs returns, Leo. He was my dog. He was a smart one. He comes back. We get home. And he's, he, he's just right there laying down on the front porch waiting for us to, to let him in. And, and, and we, were, we were happy. We were thrilled that he was back home. And we had a little bit of a jolt, a jolt of joy because we thought, okay, well, if he's here, then, then Rocky's probably somewhere close by. Um, but we, we, we couldn't find Rocky. And we kind of felt weird celebrating Leo's return because there was still one that wasn't, you know, back yet. And uh, a, a, a week goes by and we're starting to feel hopeless for Rocky's return. Probably, people are telling us pro- someone probably took him. He's a, you know, he's a, f- a full-bred German shepherd. He was a puppy at the time. Um, it wouldn't have been surprising if, if someone took him. And Melissa, she was a mess those few days. I remember catching her like, on the phone looking at a picture of Rocky. She's crying. Because um, you know, when you don't have kids, your pets are your babies. Until you have real babies and your pets are like your ugly stepchild. <laughs> And about a week later goes by. So he's missing for over a week and we kind of lost hope, but something crazy happened, man. Someone saw our post on the missing pet community on Facebook and then they connected the, the picture of Rocky with another post that they had seen on Craigslist advertising a found dog. It was crazy how it happened. And we ended up com- uh, connecting with this couple that found him and they, they told us a story. They said that Rocky, uh, he, was, he was hit by a car and... Um, the, the driver just kept going, and so they saw that he was kind of limping, and they, they opened up their, their car, and Rocky went in. They took him to the vet. I mean, they took care of our dog, and they even came and dropped him off at our house. They lived like, uh, like 50 minutes away from us. It was crazy. It was just cr- incredible how it happened, and the return was so dramatic. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Homeward Bound, uh, but like at the end of the movie, like all those pets are returning to their, uh, to their owners, and like the, the, the music's intense, and they're running in slow motion. That's kind of... That's kind of how it is, man. Melissa was celebrating. She even posted about it. I mean, and I don't know if you, if you remember this post because she, she, po- she didn't realize that she was posting to my Facebook account and she made me sound a little fem- feminine. It says, uh, this, is, this is Melissa talking. Just, just imagine my voice. Never underestimate the power of prayer, kind people, and Craigslist. After three days of being missing, my baby, Rocky, is finally back home. I cried every day, and although some people may think it's silly to react that way over a pet, God heard our prayers, and I can finally smile again. Happy face emoji. That's, that's not me. Right? <laughs> kind of embarrassed me, but, you know, it was a celebration, and, uh, in the same way, you know, when, when someone returns back into the kingdom of God for the, or, or when they are welcome into the kingdom of God for the first time, the Bible says that heaven rejoices. Jesus just said uh, a few verses earlier, he says, just so I tell you that there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Heaven goes crazy 
over a person who comes into the family of Christ. You can get, you can get rid of that. <laughs> and so Jesus is trying to show us through this parable how valuable the unchurched is. You might not have thought that they were very valuable. You may have thought that, man, they, they come, they're, they're smelly. They, they're disruptive. They, don't, they, they come in here and sometimes they're, they're drunk and, and they're really loud and, and, and they disturb everyone. They kind of almost to sit with them. But Jesus is like, man, these, these are some valuable people here. And so the prodigal son says to his father, because he feels like he's unworthy, he tells him, treat me like one of your slaves. Treat me like one of your servants because I'm not worthy to be called your son. I went out and I did unthinkable things with my inherit- inheritance. But the father kind of ignores his requests. He immediately tells the servants, look, hey, bring out the best robe. Now, that probably means nothing to you because you didn't grow up in ancient Near East and you probably don't own a robe. <laughs> but, but the robe was worn by the man of the house. The man of that, it, it represented patriarchy. It's kind of like when your dad gives up his seat at the, at the dinner table. You know how dads kind of have their spot, you know? That, that's, that, that's like this. Like, bring out the best robe. Bring out my robe, and you're going to wear it tonight because we're going to celebrate. And then he says, put the ring on his hand. The signet ring repre- uh, represented authority, authority that he was passing down to his son. Did you know that when you come into the presence of God, into the kingdom of God, you accept the power of Christ over your life? There is now an authority that you possess. Did you know that? You are no longer under the influence of darkness. Demons are afraid of you because they know who's in you. You have the faith to, to turn mourning into dancing. All that authority belongs to you when you come to Christ. The Father says... Where are your shoes, son? Give my boy some shoes. Only slaves wear shoes. You're not a slave anymore. Before you were a slave. Before you were lost. Before you didn't know where you were. But you came back the moment you stepped into my property. Everything that was mine now becomes yours. The moment that you come into my house, you are no longer a slave. You are royalty. And that's how, that's how the Father sees those who come into the presence of God and they accept Christ and they accept that authority and they, they accept that no longer am I a slave. I'm a child of the living King and that makes, that makes me royalty. You are royalty, church. Not only did the Father give him all these things, but he also prepared a meal for him. The Bible says that he killed the fattened calf, the good stuff. I remember being in Tanzania last year and we went to this restaurant where they serve chicken. It was pretty anorexic chicken. I didn't get, I didn't get the chicken. I was okay. But I remember Danny got his plate and he was thinking, he was like, what am, what am I going to do with this? I mean, you should have seen it. It looked like, like chicken flavored bone is, is really what it was. And uh, you know, we, we don't know that struggle because we... We eat pretty good nowadays, but in this day, the fattened calf, the good stuff, it was only reserved for special occasions, special occasions. And all of this, the father brings out all of this. He gives to his son after being back for like five minutes. And you think, where's, where's this punishment? Where's this punishment? He went out. He did his own thing. He disobeyed his father's command. And and now you're going to throw him a party. I want to talk about the older son now because he hears everything that's, that's happening and he gets a little bit angry. 
He gets a little jealous, right? Maybe a little resentful over his brother because he thinks, man, this is, this is supposed to be my, my, my stuff. I'm the oldest. Automatically, these things should go to me. But my dad is going to give it to my brother who was out there sinning all of this time. That makes no sense. How many of you would kind of be upset? I ain't lying. I'd, I'd, I'd be upset. It's understandable. And you kind of start seeing his arguments and you're kind of like, yeah, that was kind of messed. That's kind of a low blow from the dad. Because he says, Father, I have served you all these years. I, I've never left your house. I've always obeyed your command. I've always worked for you. I've, I've always been diligent. I've always been under your, 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 your command and your authority. And not once did you reward me. Not once did you bring out a young goat for me and my friends to celebrate. Where's my celebration? Where is it? And you read that and it's like, man, he's, he's not really being a baby. He's not being a spoiled brat. He's kind of making a solid case. But my brother goes out and he takes your property and he indulges in things that you would never stand for and you throw him a party. See, this is, this is where the disconnect is, church. Because the older son has a mindset that focuses on the internal while the father has, is concerned with the external. This is why Jesus, as the good shepherd, leaves the 99 in search for the one. He steps away from the church services. He steps away from the church party, the church lock, and all in search for the one that left. And it's not that these things are unimportant. It's, it's just the opposite. They're of the utmost importance. That's why when someone is not in the kingdom of God, we need a church that exerts every energy into bringing those that are lost inside so that we can have church with them. I'm not saying let's not have church. I'm saying let's not forget about the ones who aren't having church with us because they matter. It's not about you. You're healthy. You're good. You're saved. You might stumble every now and then. You might fall short of the glory of God. But the difference is you fall on grace. I fall on grace. And I fall a lot of times on grace. But it's still on grace. And I'm thankful for the grace, that amazing grace that saved me, that found me when I was lost. I am grateful for that grace. But there is a community outside that are fallen and they continue to fall and they have no idea about this grace that we know. And so when they find it, that's cause for celebration. But when we fail to exert exert our energy on them, when we fail just to consume ourselves with, with ourselves, that's where we fail. The father tells his son, son, you are, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was, it was fitting to celebrate. It was fitting to be glad because your brother who was dead, he's now alive. He was lost and he is not found. Don't think just because I'm celebrating his entrance means that I'm forgetting about your presence. It's just, it's just not about you. I don't know if that my, my, my big ameners aren't here today or it's just a, it's a tough one. I wanted to bring this message today because, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of change in and around our community. We're starting to see it like the other day, the other day I saw, I saw a white person jogging 
on our street. And I was like, I just, I started clapping. I was like, welcome. <laughs> I've never seen that before. Melissa says that the other day, uh, a mother, a young mother was, was walking her, her child on a stroller right here on Reynolds Street. I was like, dang, you don't think you're going to get shot? It's changing. The community around us is changing. And so, you know, over the next year or, uh, year or so, I think we're going to start seeing a little bit, we need to start seeing a little bit more change here at our church that aims at being a light for the community that we're in. Because I've heard people say before, man, people that have lived here for decades, I, I didn't know there was a church there. And that's like a low blow to me. And too many times we fail to reach those around us because we're just so consumed with what we're doing. And we, we, we try to reach out to someone. We, we, can't even, we can't even relate to them. This was the mindset of, of the Jewish people when it came to the Samaritans. If you know that story, the, you know that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. You don't talk to them. You don't look at them. You don't associate yourselves with them. That was, I mean, that was like Jewish religion. They were religious about that. But Jesus comes and he breaks every religious chain. And he offers the living water to the Samaritan woman who, if it had been any other Jew, would have turned away. Jesus changed the game, man. The problem is, many people don't like changing the game because change is it's uncomfortable. So we stay in our zone, pleasing ourselves. I heard this quote from T.D. Jakes, man. I love it. He says, of the church, he says, you can't stay married to, the, to a system at the cost of the next generation. I'll say it another way. You, don't, don't miss an opportunity to being the light just because you don't want to change the light bulb. Everything that we do as a church should be to enhance and further the kingdom of God. And there are things that we're beginning to see here in our community that are going to require us. If we want to reach people, if we want to see lives changed, and we want to see people come to Christ, we're going to need to adopt a mentality that it's not about me. It's not about me. I'd rather be more relational than religious. I, uh, it's not in my notes because I just thought about it right before service. But in Luke um, 10, you hear the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. And uh, it basically tells us that there was this man who was walking and he, he was beat. He got beat by, um, just by a mob of, of robbers. They, they beat him to, to near death. He was there on the ground. And uh, a priest walks by. And he notices this poor man beaten without anything. And he keeps on walking. Sad thing is, he was probably on his way to church. <laughs> he, was prob- he was probably on his way to church. And he failed to be the church. And then the Levite comes, and the Levite was the one that was, you know, uh, took care of, of, the, uh, of the tabernacle. He comes, and he's, he's consumed, he's probably consumed with the presence of God. And he, he keeps on walking. He's probably going to church. He's probably going to go get his Jesus on. He's going to go get my cup filled. I'm going to go, you know, hashtag church flow. My Sunday best. Got my new shoes on. 
I'm going to go get some coffee, go fellowship, church, church life. And then this one Samaritan comes, just, just some guy. He's not a Levite. He's not a priest. He comes and he tends for this beaten to death man. Sometimes I feel like the unchurched are better at being the church than the church. And I'm so, I'm so passionate about this word, man, because we need to be the light. We need to be the light. We are called to be the light. And when I heard someone say, I didn't know there was a church there, that told me that our light is off. And we got to turn it back on, church. We need to begin praying for this community. We need to begin doing some things that are going to bring this community in and bring them to Jesus. And it's never a compromise to the message, right? Just the method. Now don't, don't freak out, okay? I'm not, we're not making huge changes. We're not going to become like a satellite church or anything. I, I love our church. I love how we, how we are. I love our ministers and our leaders. I think we just need to focus a little bit less on the 99 and more on the one or the two or however many people that are out there that need Jesus. And this isn't just our church. This is part of those 200 churches that, that close down every week because they fail to make certain changes. And we're not going to be that one. We're not going to be included in that statistic, church. We're going up. We're going from glory to glory, right? And we're going to follow wherever God wants to take us. This morning, I'm going to ask that you stand. I want us to come forward. I want us to come forward, church, as a church. And I'm not, I'm not asking you to come forward right now for yourself. I'm asking, let's come forward as a church. And what we're going to do is we're going to begin praying for the lost, praying for someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, someone in your life, someone that you know, let, let there be a name on your lips and just focus your prayer on them. And this is something that I think that we need to get in a habit of doing as a church, because as a church, we need to represent those that aren't in church. And so what I want to do, and, and, and I'm going to ask if, if anyone needs prayer this morning, I'm, we're still going to do that because you're still important. But right now, as a church, can we lift up a prayer to whoever's just on your heart right now? Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.